Hi, friends, and welcome. I am your hot mess of a host, Mary Hendricks from The Very Merry Life, your new mom friend that soon will feel like an old friend. Twice a week, every week, I want you to come and join me as we cover moments in motherhood, marriage, sex, and more. Some moments worth savoring, others worth surviving, all with a laugh, pep talk, or F-bomb every now and again. I want you to come as you are, but leave the sugar coating behind because, guys, we know how sweet it already is. So what do you say? Up for picking some daisies? All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode. I am here with Roxy or Dr. Roxy, Dr. Liz, because I know I have you guys from the Media Moms, and I am so excited to have you on because I just think that we need to have a conversation about screen time and kids because there's a lot to be said about it. So yeah. welcome. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah. We're excited to be here. Yeah, me too. So I'm going to let you guys introduce yourselves first, whoever wants to start, and then we'll just get into it. Yeah. Hi, I am Dr. Roxy Etta, and um, just like a little bit of background about myself, I recently completed my PhD in Human Development and Family Studies from the University of Wisconsin-Madison, and I've spent the past 10 years um, studying basically the intersection of kids and families and screens. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. I love that. Liz. (laughs) Yeah. And I've been researching this for a while too. Roxy and I finished our PhDs at the same time. We hilariously defended our dissertations on the exact same day. Like it just all came together. I love Um, that. Yeah. My research has really focused on digital play and what parents think about play. And now that we also like throughout grad school, both became moms as well. We have Mm -hmm. five kids between us. We are thinking about it in both spaces now. Like we're thinking about screen time from the academic side. We are really familiar with the research, but we're also trying to figure out how to live it ourselves. Because it's so different than from a textbook when it's your own kids screaming at you that they just want to watch one more show. (laughs) Yeah. No, I actually had a pediatrician on as a guest and she said the same exact thing. She said from a pediatric lens, when you're training, when you're doing rotations, when you're just a, you know, a doctor from the other side. She said, the moment I became a parent, I was like, oh my God. And she was like, we, we do like, there is judgment that gets placed and you don't realize like, and I say that all the time, like you don't know motherhood until you literally step your two feet into it. And it's different. Like you can babysit all your life. You can work with kids, but until they're your kids, it's just a whole new playing field. It's wild. Yeah. And it's different kid to kid even. You said you have five kids between the two of you. So who has how many? Yes. I have two three-year-old girls. I have twins. Okay. Twins, and I have a six-month-old boy. Oh my gosh. Okay. Some yes, fresh. Same. And I have a yes. three-year-old boy and a one-year-old boy. Okay. Yeah. So you, we're all in it. We're all in that like the little... The thick years, that's what I like to call them. The thick years, the treading pudding years. That's what I like my little analogy. Uh, years exactly where what it, it is. Yeah, it is. That's I, I treading pudding is my little analogy. It's like it's hard as hell to get through, but when you all of a sudden realize what you're sitting in, you're like, oh, this is pretty sweet. <laughs> like, this is cool, but it's hard. So, uh, but with, yeah, stepping into it and stepping into parenthood, you have those little kids screen time is a big conversation where I even see it all over on social media. And I kind of, I've talked about it before where I get so many people that ask me what I've done because they, they're on such eggshells with how to use screens with their kids. Because Mm -hmm. some people will tell you awful, don't do it. They shouldn't have it at all. Uh, And then you have some that are like, eh, whatever. And that's more like me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it seems to be a really polarizing topic on social media. Um, and I feel like you see more of the people who don't use screens at all or like, like surprised about not using screens at all on social media versus new parents in real life. Yeah. Um, that isn't necessarily the case. Yeah. Well, it is. There is. It's a bragging. There's like a sense of bragging rights to it. When you get on, they're like, oh, I don't let little Johnny watch anything. And it's... It's almost added information, even amongst not even social media, like even amongst mom groups and things like that. It seems to be a competing thing. And I think mm-hmm. we're all lost on it. Like I, I once heard us be called because we're all probably the same age. We're generation guinea pig. Like we're not, we're the first that have to kind of do this. Like we had screens when we were kids, but it was not at, at the right. level it is now. 
No, no. Liz and I often say that we're like the first generation of parents raising kids in the digital age. Yeah. And there's like no handbook. Yeah. 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 And it, it's such a mental load to parenting too. Like I, I'm constantly accessible. The phone's in my pocket. My kid sees it. They see me on it. The yeah. computer's around. The TV's mounted. Like we can access anything always. So yeah. it's always yeah. on your mind. And how always. Do you, yeah, how do you always. Respond? And I've always taken the, like, for me, I just have never thought about it. Like where I, it honestly became just a survival tactic, especially during the pandemic. I think, yeah. honestly, I can remember the first time I ever rolled out a screen for any of my kids was my daughter was six weeks old and I'll never forget this. She was six weeks old. It was in the middle of the night. And for some reason, I was so dead tired and she was just having, you remember like that six, eight week period, they start waking up more yes. and they don't want to fall asleep. And I remember getting out, they had the Fisher Price Rock and Play, which has since been recalled. Mm -hmm. And I put her in it and I put on Coco from Disney's Pixar because I knew the colors were going to distract her. Yeah. And I fell asleep on the couch while she was in that because I was so dead tired. And I remember like sitting up being like, who does this? I'm like, am I wrong for doing this? But I needed to. Like, I just needed to sleep. Otherwise, I was going to lose it. So I remember that. And then ever since then, I was like, ah, whatever. It's survival. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, but I think that that's often overlooked is how much stress parents are under and how challenging parenting is for people who um, don't have as much of a support system or just having a hard time and how a screening can be a solution in that moment that can be like extremely beneficial, even like five minutes or so. Yeah. Well, and I, I, so I remember when I got connected with your page, what I love about Liz and Roxy's page, the media moms, is that when you go on, I saw a post that was like, we're not pro screen time. So I think a lot of people probably see your stuff and mm -hmm. think, oh, these, these women are pushing for parents to put their kids in front of screens. And you guys are the opposite, correct? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So that, yeah. that real was sort of a response to some of the comments that we had been getting, some of the messages we'd been getting um, from people saying that, um, Screens don't have to be a part of childhood. And in no way do Liz and I say at all that kids should be on screens. We're just saying what research suggests, what the data shows is that the majority of kids are on screens. Kids from zero to eight are on a screen for about two and a half hours a day on average. Yeah. So we're meeting parents where they're at. And the majority of parents are letting their kids use screens. And if they are using them, what can we do to make it as beneficial as possible for kids? Yeah. So that's like our, our take on it. It's not, we're not pro screen. We're just here to help parents who are using screens with their kids. Yeah. Well, because I, and I've always said this too, because they exist. They're not going mm -hmm. anywhere. This is only going to keep speeding up and speeding up. Like even my daughter, she, I could have tried, like, let's say my oldest, she is going to be six, but she just started kindergarten. Let's say for, if I had for all five years, kept her from touching, seeing any of that stuff. The moment she gets into kindergarten, they have iPad tablet time. They have right. that as a learning resource. Schools are starting to incorporate that into one of their tools of teaching. And it's just there. But even for us, like during the pandemic um, and things like that, I think screens really got big because of obviously survival. But also, mm -hmm. like I know my oldest was doing speech therapy. That's where everything transferred. Even now we do speech therapy virtually. A lot of services are offered mm. virtually. They just exist. Right. There's no way to keep these unless you go live in a shack in the woods. Like there's no way to keep these away from your kid's line of sight. So we got to teach them. You know, my personal opinion, we got to teach them how to just like use it the right way. Yeah. Right. We talk a lot about uh, laying the foundation for a lifetime of healthy habits, too. I really like this anecdote from one of my friends. She was just casually talking to me about how she wasn't allowed to watch TV as a kid. Yeah. And now that she's an adult, she feels like she can't look away. Like it feels like this super special, not allowed, like extra treat that when it's available, she just wants all of it. Whereas yeah. she's really making an effort. And what we encourage parents to do is make an effort to lay those foundations of healthy habits now while they're little, like by setting the tone, the way we use our screens or by showing them like how to use them in moderation and with intention because they are going to encounter them. Like yeah. there's really, it's not, 
it's not avoidable anymore. Yeah. So how can we set them up for success? Because we really, at the end of the day, everyone wants what's best for their kids. Yeah. So how can we lay the foundation for that? Yeah. Well, so now everyone, whenever I hear anyone that says like about screen time and kids, they say all of the studies say that kids before the age of two shouldn't have any. Is that what they, I feel like that's what people are always saying. That is what a lot of people say. So a previous recommendation from the American Academy of Pediatrics suggested limiting screen time. So no screens before two is like what pediatricians were saying, basically. But those recommendations have been updated within the past few years to provide some nuance based on research that come, that came from places like our research lab that we work in. Um, yeah. So now they say like introducing screens around 18 months, if you so choose, and that FaceTime is always the, so video chatting is always the exception because video chat is different than video viewing and kids can get a lot out of video chatting, especially like during the pandemic, like Liz and I had our first babies in the middle mm-hmm. of 2020 when things were really rough and like they, our kids met all of our family members through FaceTime. Yeah. Um, and there is a lot of benefit to it for not only kids, but for parents and grandparents and extended family. Yeah. yeah there's no. a lot about relationship yeah. building. It's, it's a cool option for screens with little ones. Yeah. I mean, I, I think about it. Think about like, I have family that lives in California, just the fact that they're mm-hmm. able to like FaceTime their cousins and see them and talk with them. And like I said, they did their speech therapy. We tried. That was impossible. My daughter was two at the time and trying to get her to sit on an iPhone. <laughs> yeah, it was oh like almost God. like I was trying to force the screen on her. And I was like, yeah, this is not going anywhere. <laughs> this is an interesting experience. But yeah, I, you know, I, I, I once saw someone, I had another guest come on and he actually worked on a, maybe you know him. I think he was down in that area, Atlanta, but I think he worked in a study. I would have to find his name because now I'm forgetting it, but he know he worked in a study about screen time and he was saying a lot of it boils down to how it's being used and what benefits it's producing. So more or less like the, are you replacing like, um, essential interaction mm-hmm. with screens. And if you are, then that's not good. That's the fear is that we're replacing these perf- you know, uh, important interactions. And he said, if not, and you're using it so that way you could cook dinner and like do things like that to benefit your baby and have that quality time with your kids, that's, that's what all of this needs to be focused on. And I was like, I loved when he said that because I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Like if I can have the screen for five minutes, let my kids do that so I can take care of this. Then we can come together and have that good quality time. And I think that's what, as parents, I think we forget is like, I think a lot of us focus on the quantity time mm-hmm. and we forget about the quality of, absolutely. you know, we could boil that into anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We, we have been thinking about it a lot exactly like that recently. Um, just framing it as what are all of the things that, research shows us are really important for development. So things like sleep and quality, uh, like high quality verbal interactions and FaceTime with caregivers and mealtime together and play outside. Like all of these things matter a lot in a kid's day. And if we're focusing on those experiences and making sure that those are what's filling the majority of kids' time, what they do in those pockets in between or how we take a minute to cook dinner or take a brain break because the day is really heavy. Those aren't as important as the big things that are taking up the chunks of time in their day. So there's a question that we get asked a lot, like how much is too much? And we like to think of it as quality over quantity. Exactly what you're saying. Like what does your individual child need? What is the content that you're letting them watch? And what's the context in which it's happening and the context of the rest of their day? And that's way more important than how many minutes they're actually eyes on screen. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No. Well, and I know you guys have also covered like not all screen time is created equal Mm -hmm. also. Correct. So I know you'd said FaceTime obviously is a different thing, but like, so I'm trying to think. Give me, give me some of your favorite shows. Like, what are your favorites with age groups? Because, like, I think of there's probably a difference between Coco Melon or Hay Bear, and there's got to be a different than Miss Rachel, right? I don't know. I would think. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So okay. Liz and I are very passionate about this topic of content and like high quality content for kids. 
because there are definitely shows that are designed for the benefit of kids, like designed for learning. That like a big team of experts and researchers who put a lot of thought and planning into making like a curriculum and content that's designed to be beneficial for kids. And then there's other programs, shows, channels out there that exist purely to make money that don't have the best interest of kids' development in mind. So my favorite show for kids is Tumble Leaf on Amazon Prime. Um, oh, actually, my I named my son after the lead character from the show, so I'm like, it's a, it's a deep love. Oh. So I spent a lot of time researching that show um, in in the lab that Liz and I worked in during grad school, and it uh, models really good behaviors for kids. The themes are really the theme is about play, essentially, and problem solving, and being creative. And if you haven't seen it, I would highly suggest checking it out. My What's it called? Show. Tumbleweed. Tumbleleaf. Tumbleleaf. Okay. I'm going to look it up. I haven't seen that one. That sounds cute though. Yeah. My three-year-old loves Tumbleleaf and he's also recently gotten really into Blue's Clues, which I had never thought to put on for him because to me, that is like a show from my childhood, like a show of the nineties. My little brother loved it, but it recently, um, there was a revival of it in, I think like in the past five years, it's called Blue's Clues and You. And he loves it. And Blue's Clues is cool because there's a whole research team and curriculum. A lot went into like how the episodes are formatted and what the questions are. And they did immense play testing Mm -hmm. to see like, do kids follow the storyline? Do they get the answers right? And yeah. it has a really unique call and response format where I don't I don't know if you're familiar with Blue's Clues, but they'll yeah. ask the audience a question and then yep. pause to give kids a chance to answer. Yep. And research has found that that actually teaches them how to more deeply engage with the content and makes it more likely that they'll learn. And so, yeah, he loves it. He has like dubbed a chair in the house, his thinking chair and sings when we go to get the mail. Like he's really taking that from it. I love that. And it has a really cool problem solving curriculum. So I'm, we've been enjoying watching it together. We went through a little blues clues. Cause yeah, I found that on, um, well, even you, I think you could uh, find the old ones Mm -hmm. on, I think Paramount Plus app, we have like Apple TV. So we put Paramount Mm -hmm. Plus, but they have all the old shows on there. So I have been able to, uh, the one I've been, I found and remembered from when I was a kid was Little Bear. Yeah. But it's so so, sweet. It's so sweet. Yeah. But now I know why my mom probably wanted me to put it on because when I put it on for my kids, it's so relaxing. Mm -hmm. The music, it's quiet and it's just calm. And I was like, yeah, this is why she loved it so much. And, but, the problem and what I found with my kids, I think they've seen so many of the Cocoa Melons and even I think Pixar does it a little bit. They move so quick from mm-hmm. scene to scene to scene that my kids can't, like I thought about this the other day, I put on Bambi, the movie Bambi for my kids, which if you've seen it, it's an old 1950s movie. It's like so slow. I used to watch that stuff. I was so used to like the slower films. My kids cannot sit still for that stuff. I don't know mm-hmm. if that's a thing. I don't know. If- yes, it okay. is. So there's there's been a lot of research on the pacing of shows for kids. Like when there's a lot of fast movement and plus in between scenes, that's really attention grabbing for kids and it makes it harder for them to look away um, yeah. versus if it's all one cut, very slow moving, it can be disadvantaging to kids. They might not watch it like with Sandy. Yeah, well, that was my experience yesterday. I was like, come on. I was like, it's a classic. That or like the, all the other old ones. I was like, come on. I used to sit and just like chill watching Cinderella or Lady and the Tramp. I was oh content. God. I try that now. Forget it. They they don't care. But yeah, no, we have that. Uh, Bluey, that's a good one. Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, yeah. that's another one. Miss Rachel is our, she's my winner on that one. And I I love Miss Rachel. Yes, she has grown so much. And like, I feel like I can't meet a person who doesn't know who she is. Yeah. Like, she's very well loved by many families. Yeah. She's a big one for me just because of speech delay stuff. Like she actually knows her stuff with that one, which I think is so helpful. But in thinking about that, because I've shared about her, I have so many people or just any of these shows I always say, and people are like, oh my God, I cannot. I can't with her voice. I can't with who the characters, things like that. I know you guys recently just covered that saying you have, you should watch a show that your kids yeah, or that you like also. It's, yeah. That's an important thing in there. So I want you guys to talk about, about a little bit about that. Yes, exactly. So 
you're more likely to watch a show with your kids if you like it, if it doesn't like make you cringe when you hear the voices that they're using or the storyline or the how it looks aesthetically to you. So if kids get more benefit from watching TV when they're watching it with a parent or a sibling or someone who's talking about the content with them, and you're more likely to sit and talk with them about it if you like it. So mm-hmm. I love the show Tumble Leaf. It's like it's stop motion. It's really beautifully done. Like it's it's fun for an adult to watch. So I'm likely to sit down and watch it with my kids because I like it myself. Yeah. Um, versus I don't have like a personal thing against kids shows that have adult voices in them. I know it's like a really particular thing, but I, it, I, it just drives me nuts. So I'm not, I don't pick shows that have adult voices. Because I just don't like okay. So Bluey wouldn't be your favorite. Bluey I don't mind because there are, ki- there are kids in it and they are using kid voices. That one, that okay. one's good. I don't mind okay. that one. He just doesn't like if you give a mouse a cookie, which That's- is like my other favorite show. It's yeah. so cute. It's like very slow paced. It's all just about friendship. It's a little confusing. Like why yeah. are there talking animals and talking humans? But beyond that, Roxy <laughs> doesn't like that it's an adult voicing the mouse. But it's like, oh, okay. mouse is a kid or an adult anyway, so it doesn't bother me, but yeah. she can't stand it. <laughs> I love it's that. It's a good show. I just, it's so cute. <laughs> it is it's very cute. It's very good. I, yeah, just that the mouse's voice just gets to me a little bit. All right. Well, that's fine. But but that's that's normal. I can that uh, there's so many ones that I can think of that drive me nuts. Peppa Pig drives me a little bonkers. Oh, I can't do yeah. yeah. Although <laughs> it is cute because my kids, my daughter specifically says George <laughs> for anyone now. So I'm like, okay, well you got that. Uh <laughs> and then I can I can deal with that little tidbit because of it. Um otherwise, Caillou, forget it. My my son asked for that and I was like, absolutely never. Yeah. That will never <laughs> ever happen in this household like um, a universal parents agree across the board like we're gonna veto guys. i don't even daniel tiger daniel tiger even drives me bonkers i really can't. Oh, really yeah yeah Ooh, it daniel. was cute in the beginning but i i don't know the, the voice has got to me there's like that or there's other ones that just if they're too babyish then i'm like oh i can't i don't know i just mm-hmm. i don't know it's yeah. funny but i think that's important for parents to know and i'll admit like I even will think about it. Like I think about for my husband and I standpoint, it's really nice connection wise when we both like the same movie. So I can only imagine what that feels like as a kid to sit with your parents and like, I I try to make a big effort on it because it's so easy for me just to pull this up when I'm not interested (laughs) and just tuck it down. And I don't do it all the time, but then I'll realize and then feel bad, but I'll tuck it down. But because I can tell that it's like, it does make a difference. The moment I am letting him know that I'm also paying attention, it's it's like a different energy and yeah. like a focus in it. Absolutely. And it's, it's something yeah. to keep in mind where, you know, it can be a good family bonding experience. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> and yeah. Can... Sorry, go ahead, please. No, you're good. It's a jumping off point too for talking about. Like if you watch the episode together, now you have something to talk about and play about together and you can ask questions about what they understood or what they saw. It's like it that joint attention yeah. goes a long way in building your connection. We had something like that with my oldest. Like I said, she had speech delay. So screen times actually were a big help with me um because of her speech therapy so like the big movie funny enough because she was two at the time that she clung on to was toy story Mm. and because i love that movie i grew up watching that movie so i would watch that with her Mm -hmm. and and saying what you did i actually went out to target and to because i knew she liked it and i knew they sold a playset. i bought her all the figurines and she would watch the movie and the first one of the first things she ever said was reach for the sky so it was that but she would play and i it was nice because then i would buy her like all the figurines from moana so we had for the longest time just a bunch of figurines from the movies that she was watching because it and it was fun because i got to you know interact with her but it really really helped and it was because i think it just became like a story for her just a you know sparker yeah. Yeah. Like you were giving her meaning by like translating what she was seeing on a two dimensional screen right, into the three dimensional world. Like how special yeah. for her and how like research shows that that doing those kinds of things are really beneficial for kids and make yeah. screen time just a lot more meaningful, more beneficial for them. Yeah. 
yeah, see, to everyone listening, screen time doesn't have to be the the worst thing in the world. There's ways to use it. Uh, but, and okay, so we're talking about watching stuff. Now let's talk about apps. So apps, same thing, I would imagine, are not all created the same. And tablets are a big thing. Currently, we are on a tablet hiatus in my household because, mm. I, like I said, I'm not a uh, stickler on screen time, but I certainly noticed when they get too much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And behavior yeah. is not my friend. So tablets have been gone. Uh, they're going to be gone. I told him for a month. So we'll see how that one works. I was like, so done. But <laughs> in that, not everything's yeah. created equal. So how do we deliver no, that? I would say, Liz and I say that, uh, and a lot of people, a lot of experts in um, kids and freeze talk about apps being the wild west for kids because mm-hmm. there are just so many apps out there. Um, and like if you go on the app store and you try to find it, like if you're like, oh, I'm going to try to find an app for my three-year-old and you just go yeah. type in educational apps for kids, you're going to get thousands, there's thousands and thousands of apps for kids. Without um, any regulations. Like exactly. there's no rules on what anyone can say in their advertising. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So it's very hard to make a high quality app for kids, I would say. Um, and there's a model that we like to use called the E-AIMS. Um, Liz, do you want to talk about it a little bit? Sure. Yeah. So the E-AIMS is from something called the science of learning. And it basically lays out like what to look for in an app because it, it really is the wild west. Like, like Roxy's saying, even if you search educational by your kid's age range, there's no rules. Like there's no guarantee that what an app developer says their app does has any truth to it. So the E aims is, uh, it's, it's an acronym. So E is engaging, looking for things that are related to your kid's interests that will really engage them, like help mm-hmm. them understand what they're doing and translate it into the real world. And then the second thing is actively involved. So, um, like things that are giving them some sort of response or giving them agency. And it's E I M is minds on. So um things that require them to be like actively thinking about the content, not necessarily like those drill and skill flashcard apps, mm-hmm. but more of um it's called like a sandbox experience where they can explore within the app to some degree and have agency over it. Yeah. And then the final piece that I think is so interesting is social. So the best apps are apps that encourage kids to either play with someone else or share their experience with someone else, whether that be like prompts for the parent afterwards to ask the kiddo what they learned or multiplayer things, or my, my son's really into this app right now called Pock Pock. Okay. That's adorable. It's called Pock Pock's Playroom. It's Montessori inspired. And the whole idea behind it is that it's completely open-ended and child-led. Um, but he loves to play it together. And it's so cool because they designed it so that one of the little toys in it is um, a coloring page. Oh, fun. Yeah. But multiple people can be coloring at the same time. Oh, cool. So okay. I don't know how they did it. That's like a challenging haptic. But he and I can both be drawing and coloring at the same time. And he loves it. Like he wants me to do it with him. Yeah. Whereas other apps we've tried are like his world and he doesn't want help. Yeah. Um, So that social piece, I think, like we were talking about with TV too, like that's a big factor that can change the game on screen time. Yeah. Well, and I feel like that's kind of where that's the problem that we've been running into is like my kids each have their own little tablet. Mm -hmm. They get it. And, but it's not. They don't, you know, exchange anything on there. There aren't really any two player games that I have ever had my kids come across. And that's where we end up with the bickering and the fighting and us removing tablets for the unforeseen future. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I'm done. But yeah, it's it's hard. I didn't I never thought about that piece because that's really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it helps kids transfer what they learn. So much of the research, like Roxy was saying, points to kids need help like taking that 2D experience and bringing it into the 3D world. And for these little ones that we're talking about, like toddlers and preschoolers, it's primarily their caregivers that are serving that role of helping them bridge 2D to 3D. And when you're able to use media together or even just talk about what they did while they were using it, if they're alone, it can really go far in making it an educational experience. Wasn't there, isn't there an app where it's like, Oshi is it starts with an O? Isn't there one where it's like you can connect it and then draw something on the 
I don't know if you've heard oh, of it. I know what you're talking about. I feel like yeah. I've seen a lot of ads for it, but I feel like it like they have like letters and you can see and they have yeah. Yeah, I don't I know. know. I'm gonna have to look it up, but maybe that would be something. I'm trying to think of gifts for my son. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't know, but I want yeah. something like that instead of where he's obsessed with alphabet. So anything like tablet wise alphabet. That kid started counting in like Chinese right before I put him to bed because the tablet. Where I'm like, oh what? God. I know. <laughs> he did. He did in Spanish and then in Chinese, and I was like, what? Came out of you? I just turned around. I was like, where did you <laughs> learn this? From? It's not for me. My son is wild with the abcs if anyone listening you guys know that he is like crazy with abc shapes but again i credit a lot to the screen because i think there are some really great apps that have just you know he's gotten into and he plays and he absorbs it they have fun so Mm -hmm. again it's not been a bad thing but Mm -hmm. it's it's when they fight when the behavior starts coming out that i'm like yeah no we're gonna have to Mm -hmm. figure this one out Awesome. Awesome. Well, okay. So I know you guys have courses. I know you like to talk about courses and I know you just said a reset course. I want to hear about what you got. Yeah. So our first course that we have released and available right now is the science of screen time. And it basically is covering what Liz and I have studied for the past 10 years, the PhD in one course (laughs) joke. So it covers basically how to boost the benefits of screen time. Like what what are the pros and cons of screens for young kids according to cognitive development, according to human development, family studies, um, and what what you should look for in a show, what you should look for in an app that marks it as something that can be a high quality experience, what you can do as a parent while kids, before kids have a media experience, while they're using media and after. Um, it's basically a way to set yourself up for success, I would say, if you are going to introduce things to your young children. And the Family Media Reset, which will be coming out soon, is if things have sort of gone off the rails with screens in your home. So, like, classical tips about what you can do to sort of reel it back in um, with, like, a lot of tips and um, techniques that are evidence-based, rather than just, like, throwing the TV away and never having it back again. Um, yeah. Like, how can you sort of take little steps to gain control back? Yeah. Well, maybe that's what I need. My God. That's what. <laughs> just tablet. Tablet, screen. I, well, I put big boundaries over after this weekend. I was like, God, where's reset? That's exactly what we needed. Because, like I said, I feel like sometimes it's just a very slippery slope. I think it's very easy just to, life gets busy. And you know that the screen, I mean, for me, I am the type of person that always, has my TV on. I just like the noise. Even when I'm home alone, I just like having something. So for me, I always have it on and I don't think about it, but then I do. The moment I do, then I feel like it's, oh, we're too late. <laughs> so we're like, okay, we need to rein this one in and figure out how we can navigate this, which, because it's, it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's never it's, too late. I mean, yeah. It's not too late. And it's, it's the way that things are designed, right? Like there's a reason yeah. why platforms have autoplay and there are techniques that are used to keep kids and adults engaged in media content where it's kind of hard to step away or it doesn't feel like there's a good moment to like interrupt and turn something off right mm-hmm. so there yeah. are techniques being used to like draw people in and okay. important to be aware of i think yeah absolutely because you don't think again we're generation most of us here listening and right here we're like i said we're generation guinea pig especially like and i've thought about that for in terms of like social media and stuff like that like there's that whole facet of kids and social medias but just in general like we've you know we talk to our parents and it's not like we can go to them most of i don't know about you guys but my parents are boomers so for me i would like Mm -hmm. what'd you guys do they only had like tv for my mom still remembers when they would put out like a Charlie Brown special, like yeah. that came out, you know, once a year and things like that. So it was not the same. So it's not like we can really turn to our generations before and be like, Hey, what did you guys do? Cause no, right? this is, yeah. This, it's us figuring yeah. it out. Yeah. And we, we get comments just like what you said a lot where people are like, Oh, it's too late for me. And I just want to emphasize like, it isn't ever too late. Like we're all just doing the best we can with the information we have, which is why we are so passionate about sharing that research and the truth around screen time, because 
it is intimidating and it is new. And there are a lot of loud voices on social media, like on the pro side and the con side that just make it so confusing to know what the right thing to do is. So we're trying to help translate some of that truth so parents can stress less about it because everyone's just doing their best with the info. Yeah. And it's just one extra thing. It's one extra thing. Parents are literally struggling. The amount that I, it's so interesting when I hear from women that vent and the amount of guilt that Mm -hmm. we carry on a day-to-day basis is phenomenal. Like it's not, well, then that's not the right word. Phenomenal being like, this is crazy, ginormous, Mm -hmm. the amount of guilt, but like, it's wild that, you know, we guilt ourselves over the food that we're giving our kids and the amount of time that we've given our kids and where we took our kids. And, you know, like, and then they add the, I was really stressed because we're also humans and we're adults and we have to figure ourselves out and our needs and our kids, God forbid, they gave, got one extra hour of screen time. Then we're going to bed thinking that we just ruined our children and it's not true. It's just yeah. not true. We carry so much on our shoulders that it's just un- it's unfair at this point mm-hmm. to do. And then you add in the news headlines with scare tactics that just want you to click them. Like there was one that went around a few weeks ago um, that you probably saw. It was like screen time causes developmental delays. Oh, yeah, I did. Not true. That's yeah. not what the study found. That's not what the, the research has found at large. It was a completely correlational study. So, I mean, I can dive into it a little more if you want. Yeah, but yeah. basically, um, it was a survey of thousands and thousands. It was huge. Thousands of parents, I think 7,000 parents in Japan. And it asked them at age one, on a typical day, how much time did your child use on, or just spend using any screen? And then they like broke it down into amounts of time. And what the study actually found is that I think something, it was less than 5%, something around 4% of the kids in the study spent four hours or more on a typical day, which first of all, that's like, that's not the standard for how to ask about media use in yeah. media research. Like, I don't, I don't know what a typical day is in yeah. a one-year-old's life. Yeah. But um, of the kids who spent four or more hours at age one, on a screen in a typical day, there were associations with developmental delays at age two and four. Mm-hmm. But what they didn't measure is whether those kids had a developmental delay at age one. Yeah. Like it's not clear if maybe they were experiencing some type of developmental delay at age one that was leading to more screen time. Yeah. Like it's not to say like the screen time caused the delay or the delay caused the screen time. All they found was a connection. Yeah. Um, and also they did not evaluate the content that the kids were watching. So even in the discussion of the paper, the authors recognize that that's a major limitation. And they even cite there's a meta-analysis, which is when you take a bunch of studies and boil down what they all found. Yeah. Um, and a meta-analysis found that excessive screen time is linked to communication delays, but educational screen time is linked to improvements in language. Interesting. Yeah. So it really comes down to the content, but that headline makes me so mad because all it's doing is layering on completely unnecessary guilt. Yeah. Because you're talking to a a speech delay mom here. So where it's like, and the amount of moms that I have, because I share about it openly and it was such a journey, but because it was my first you th- I I thought about the nights that I was up at when she was six weeks old, when I had to survive and put Coco on. So like, it was like all of that, that I thought I was like, oh my God, did I do this to her? But I was like, no, she literally spent talking to every single person. And that's, that's stuff that you have to re- remind yourself. And like I had said earlier, when uh, the other guest that I had on, he was talking about, it's like the amount are you replacing social interactions with it? Like, mm-hmm. are you replacing talking to your child because you don't want to talk to your child? Like that would have that I can imagine happening. Right. Mm-hmm. Where it, I was like, yeah. yeah, it's a direct effect. Obviously, if you, you know, let the screen rule every interaction, then yeah. But otherwise, like that's no one's doing that. I don't think right. there's even a will. I don't think that's even possible. <laughs> like a one-year-old who's spending four hours a day using a screen is like there's no way that they're getting enough of that high quality social interaction that yeah. they need to develop. Yeah, but it was exactly. only 4% of the kids in that study were yeah. even in that bucket with the bad measure. Like yeah. it's not the norm at all. Yeah. 
it almost makes me feel bad because for the parents that probably did answer that, I'm curious on their living situations and Mm -hmm. everything that goes down to that, where it's like, you know, you got to look at that stuff too. Not and not that that's a a fault at all, but I think it's important to note that way we can help out those families and get them what they need. That way it's not, you know, they could be watching four hours plus of screen time because again, survival. Yeah. Yeah. Their parents needed a a caregiver that's not available or yeah. yeah, Who, who knows the kid is sick or a parent is sick. Like there's so many factors. Yeah. There's so much nuance to screen time. Yeah. 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 No, I hate, I hate hearing studies like that. So listen, everyone, it's don't, don't do that to yourself. It's not true. Yeah. Don't let it add to your guilt. It's not true. You're doing a great job. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Awesome. Oh, well, okay. I'm trying to make sure I don't have anything else. I'm like looking at my list to see, make sure, because I know I typed up some things. I think I covered all of it. What's keep, what's scary for kids? We'll go for that. What's scary for kids? Yeah. So What's scary? So when Liz and I have like a blog post about this and then an Instagram reel, I think about it. And what's scary for kids changes over time. So when babies, for example, from like zero to two, things like loud noises, strangers, a parent leaving and having to remain with the strangers, like those kinds of things are scary. But when you enter the toddler and preschool years, it shifts to more scary appearing things. Um, so like the big bad wolf, for example, would probably be scary to a child. And even that still terrifies me to this day. The big bad wolf. (laughs) I'm not even kidding. As a kid, I will forever remember. I don't know what I watched, but it was the big bad wolf, and there was a movie, and I saw his red eyes in a cave. Mm -hmm. And I will forever remember it. And my parents, when I the house I lived in, my parents' room was at the end of the hall, right before the (laughs) stairs. So their room was always dark. So if I had to get down the stairs, I had to go right past the room and it scared the crap out of me. I will never forget that. So you're just saying that. So yes, that's true. So kids in that like toddler preschool age have a really hard time distinguishing between fantasy and reality. So like to them, like that wolf in your parents' bedroom could to you that might have been a really probable thing that could happen to you. So that's terrifying to them because they can't tell like is that could that happen in real life or not? Um, and even scary things that, things that appear scary, but aren't necessarily scary or mean, like we like to give the example of E.T., like E.T. was a friendly character, um, and he just has a scary appearance. So kids, there was a survey study done about, oh no, I think we lost her. I still see her. Oh, okay. So there was a survey study done his kids were afraid of E.T. and overall they were. No, you're good. Was... I still see you. Oh. Okay, so E.T. He looks scary, but he isn't. He's a good guy. And kids mainly see his appearance and can't get past that. Like his behaviors are kind. He's a good he's a good person. Alien. Um <laughs> But yeah. they can't get past his visual appearance, and he's just scary to them within that early yeah. age bracket. And then as kids get older, like middle childhood, things that could happen, like natural disasters or wars, where they understand the difference between fantasy and reality, but they know that something could happen. Mm-hmm. Um, those things become more scary to kids as they get older. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. we. Uh, I just watched my daughter, my, six, my almost six-year-old, I just showed her Casper the movie which actually was okay she did okay but definitely brought up a lot of questions mm. about death and like afterlife and i was like oh okay maybe this is not the not the movie to go into with her it's interesting what did you have for in a while it's i mean there are some scary parts to it it's not too bad like i i put it on she actually enjoyed it but it definitely, she was like, what happened to him? Like, what what go on, what went on there? And I was like, oh, oh I don't want to, like, go too deep into the... Oh, yeah, the concept of a ghost. <laughs> yeah. Like, we've been dealing... The dying thing has become a big conversation. I don't know. I think she had someone at school whose grandfather died. So it's like, mm-hmm. my family's dog died. So that's been a big conversation with that age of navigating the conversation with that, which I'll tell her flat out, but I don't want to scare her because... Right. You know, it is scary when you're a kid yeah. and when all of a sudden you think about that stuff. So that's interesting. And then how about teens? 
So for some things that are a little bit more abstract, I like to use the movie Inception as like things that are like sort of like a cognitive thriller for them can be more frightening. Obviously, things like thrillers are going to be scary to a lot, like yeah. almost all age groups. Um, but things that have a little bit more abstract thinking to them can be scary for teens. Yeah, or even just like probably seeing, I would imagine for teens seeing like social mm-hmm. yeah. news and stuff like that, what's going on in the you know, adult world, I think that would probably be a little scary too, to see like what's going on in the news and current events and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Teens are, think a lot more like we do. So things that are freaky to us likely are to be freaky to it. <laughs> oh, did I lose you guys? Oh no. I still see you. I can hear you. Oh, no. Are you guys there? Let's see. Oh, no. I still see you. I still see you. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> it's very weird not knowing who can see or hear who. I can always see and hear you. You're I don't know if you guys can hear me. It's like... Okay, good. Okay, I can see you. Liz is gone on my end. Obsessive about our Wi-Fi quality. (laughs) Um, For obvious reasons. Can you see me? I love her Oh, no. What did you say? I can't read the button. It says you are enough. Oh, no. Can you see? Can you hear me? I wonder if that's hers. Oh, yeah, it might be. I don't know if she's gone. I'm back. Are we here? You're back. Okay. I don't know what the heck happened. Oh, gosh, this recording is going to be interesting. Hopefully it works (laughs) out, but that's all right. Well, we won't we won't keep it going that much longer. Uh, I would just say let's finish up with words of encouragement for parents, and then we'll we'll cap it off. Yeah, I think my main one is what I said earlier. Just it's not it's never too late. Little changes can have huge impacts. Like just intentional content choices can swing that pendulum from is this okay to, wow, this is actually beneficial. And everyone is doing the best with the information they have right now. And we're all just trying to learn more every day and do the best we can for our kids. And so many of the parents we talk to are so stressed and guilty about their completely normal, balanced screen time use where they're making great intentional choices for their kids who are watching high quality content. They're talking to their kids about it and they're laying those foundations for healthy media habits throughout their life. Like there does not need to be this guilt and shame around it. You're not rotting your kid's brain by giving them healthy, moderate access to screens in the home. You're probably benefiting them actually. Yeah. Well, especially in today's world. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I would just to add to that is that I think that a lot of parents, because we don't, parents don't talk a lot about screen time and like the benefits of it and what what they enjoy about it for their kids or that they like using it to take a break, because it's just not talked about a lot, parents, I think, feel very alone when they do let their kids use screens. And I want mm-hmm. parents to know that you're not alone in the way that you're feeling about if you are feeling a little bit guilty or ashamed about your kids using screens, like a lot of parents are right there with you. And the more that we talk about it and talk about ways that we can improve it and like what best practices are and what good content there is out there, the less I think stigma there will be around it and then all the better for kids and for parents, for families and so let's just like let go of the same about it and talk about it and talk about how to make it the best that we can. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. That's all I'm about here because you got to you got to do what you got to do. No one knows your family, no one knows your kids like you do. No one knows your situation exactly. like you do. So your situation's going to look different. Um but at the end of the day, you got to like I'm sorry, if it's if it's coming down to a shower 
or a little bit of screen time, please go take a shower. Yeah, please sure. go go take care of yourself because it's. I mean, I've always used that like screen time. Like I said, the sleeping when I had to put on cocoa for my daughter, like it was either that or me potentially being exhausted taking care of her, which is not a safe situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sorry, I'd rather have a little bit of screen time, even if I, even if it were detrimental, I'd rather have that than me possibly put her at risk because of exhaustion, frustration, you know, burnout, any of those things. And it's just, it's one of those things that we just, we tell moms to take care of ourselves themselves when we, and parents to take care of themselves. And then we don't give them any grace when they have to do the thing that allows them to do exactly that. So yeah. and it's all about balance. Like you're the expert on your family. You're the expert on you. Like we can tell you all of the research and all of the info, yeah. but it's up to you how that's best for your family. And if get, like, if you get to get some sleep or take a shower and that makes you a better parent, that's far more beneficial for your kids than a little bit of screen time would ever be detrimental. Absolutely. It's, it's all that balance. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've absolutely loved this conversation. I apologize for all the Wi-Fi craziness, oh, but no, I'm gonna, that's okay. for everyone listening, I'm going to edit it as best as I can. But <laughs> I'm so excited that we were able to just have this conversation. I'm excited for you guys because you guys are growing. I have a feeling you're going to keep on growing and I'm, I will cheer you on the entire way because that's your account. This is the reason why I wanted to have you on is to validate moms, to be somewhere in the middle. I feel like there's such, like we said, it's polarizing. There's such black and white content, whether you're bad or you're good and enough of that. Like Mm -hmm. we just need to find that middle ground of doing our best and hitting, hitting that gray zone a little bit more, which I think you guys do very nicely. So I'm excited. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Well, for everyone listening, I'm going to link all the information about Liz and Roxy in the show notes. I'm going to link their Instagram page. Um, I'll talk to you guys and we'll get like courses or anything like that if you want to link some of those in there as well. Um, but go check them out. Go follow them on Instagram. Go just get some peace of mind for yourself. Awesome. Thank you, Thank you so you. much. Right. That was so fun. Was so fun. Yay. Yeah. Another episode down. Thank you all so much for listening. If you love today's episode, I would be so appreciative if you would leave a rating and review. I cannot begin to tell you how much those mean to me, but also how much they help me get in front of more eyes and more ears. As always, be sure to check back every Tuesday and Friday for a new episode, whether it's an episode with me, me and my husband, me and Katie, or just another incredible, amazing guest. Stay tuned for more honest, real, raw chit-chat. And hey, do me a favor before you go. Remind yourself how amazing you are, how enough you are, how special you are. And boy, oh boy, I sure am glad to have you here. Thanks, friend.